You know, we spend half of our waking hours involved in this. A lot of us go to school for it. We have discussions about it. I think it'd be safe to say that here and in all of our different environments, some people love what I'm talking about. Others loathe it. What am I talking about? Well, work. That's a four-letter word for some of us. Others, it's like, yeah, work. I'm talking about human labor. Now, some of you right now are going, oh, man, why did I come to church today? Ed's talking about work? You've got to be kidding me. Work is a curse to the salt mines we go. I pretty much endure a five-day work week so I can enjoy the weekend. Weekend. Well, appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, we are in a series in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is an Old Testament book, and it was written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon was interesting because God asked him one question. Solomon, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Solomon said, I'll take wisdom. Now, that was a brilliant answer. Because he had wisdom, he was the wealthiest man to ever walk on planet Earth. Also, he had a lot of popularity. I mean, you want to talk about followers, you want to talk about clicks and likes, he had it. Possessions like no one. Yet he wrote this book inspired by the Holy Spirit of God called the book of Proverbs. Now, the word Proverbs means to govern, to rule, to reign. Wisdom should be our rule, our reign, because Wisdom is from God. Wisdom is something we receive. It's a gift. Knowledge is great. Knowledge, though, is just something we learn, something we accumulate. And I'm not anti-knowledge, nor should you be, but wisdom, man, that's where it's at. Wisdom is from God. Isn't that cool? Wisdom. We need wisdom. And wisdom if you think about the word, is seeing life and doing life from God's perspective. It's having God's thoughts, his hands, his feet. It's, it's, it's doing life God's way. The book of Proverbs talks about anger, sexual temptation, marriage, friendships, work, laziness, I mean, it's not really that relevant. <laughs> We're going to spend some time as we talk about, about the book of Proverbs. So today we're talking about work. Now when I say work, what, what goes through your mind? 
Well, I don't care if you're a homemaker, which is probably the most difficult job out there. I don't care if you're a homemaker, a pastor, a poet, a rock star. I don't care if you work in the realm of technology, real estate. It doesn't matter if you're a surgeon, a nurse, a teacher. Whatever you do, you are involved. I am involved in human labor. Here's one thing I want you to understand about human labor. The first thing I want you to understand. Number one, number one, work is a gift from God. I know that's shocking. You're like, come on now. Yep, yep, it is, it is, seriously. Work is a gift, a present from God. Think about back in the Garden of Eden, before sin saturated the soils of the Garden of Eden, before man screwed up, before we dropped the ball, before we committed cosmic treason, you have God giving Adam and Eve the gift of work. You know what God said? Take care of my garden. And that should put to rest the age-old argument regarding what is the oldest profession known to man. Landscaping, that's it. They were to work. So work was given to man and woman before the fall of man. Fall meaning falling into sin. A lot of us have a whack view of work because we're fallen. We don't understand how deep work is and how it is a gift from God, but it is. God worked. We're made in God's image. God worked. You're like, get out of town, Ed. Are you serious? Yeah, he did. Genesis chapter one, one, God created, that's work. Genesis chapter one, verse two, the spirit of God was hovering. Genesis chapter one, verse three, he separated. Genesis chapter one, verse eight, God called. Genesis chapter one, verse 16, God made. Genesis chapter one, verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Say that with me again, very good, right here, Accomplishment. Have you ever just wrapped your brain around that accomplishment? Why do you like to accomplish things? I do. I mean, it's that moment. I mean, when I speak, people ask me this sometimes. How much time do you spend in preparation for speaking? Or, or how, where do you get the ideas for these messages? People ask me that question squillions and squillions of time. Here it is. It's basically work. Every minute on stage, I put about an hour of preparation in. And the most difficult thing I do as pastor slash CEO of Fellowship Church is this. I mean, public speaking, man, it'll freak you out. It freaks me out. No wonder I had heart valve surgery. It just blew a valve. <gasps> you know, people fear public speaking more than they fear death. So people would rather be in the box as opposed to giving the eulogy. Think about that, I'm serious, I'm not kidding you. So I'm not a guy that's like, oh, I wanna speak, give me a microphone, <laughs> let me entertain you. No, 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 I'm, I'm called to preach, to speak. It's, it's what I do, it's the most difficult thing that I do, the most challenging thing I do. And on Monday mornings, I try to initiate and put the first burst of offensive energy into that, which is the most difficult thing for me to do here at Fellowship. Hiring staff and dealing with 
budgets and building. I mean, those are challenging, but nothing like this. Day in, day out, and I'm not whining. I'm not playing the martyr card. I've got to come up with a term paper. It's about, you know, the length of a term paper. It's got to be researched. It's got to be biblical, number one. Number two, it's got to be relevant. Number three, we have people here who have their seminary degrees. They've got to understand it. Also, people here, you might be at the, the first part of your spiritual run. You're brand new. You don't know anything about the Bible. It's got to be, it's got to be relevant to you. Maybe you're a single parent and you're, and you're just you know, freaking out because of stress. It's got to speak to you. Maybe you just lost a loved one. Maybe the grave is still fresh. It's got to speak to you. Maybe you just scored, like maybe you made a million dollars this week. Wow, I closed the deal of my life. It's got to speak to you. It's got to be humorous. It's got to be relevant. It's got to be funny. It's got to be biblical. That'll mess you up. No wonder I'm crazy. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a gone thing, but that's something that I do, and I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to do it. You get to work. You don't have to work. You get to work. Oh, I've got to work. Well, that sense of accomplishment is something that money can't buy. Dignity. After I walk off the stage, like, wow, thank you, Jesus. And almost every time when I'm driving home in my car, I go, thank you, Lord, for getting me through another week. A sense of accomplishment. I mean, I put at least 20 hours into today's talk. How do you feel when you put your toddler down for the night? A sense of accomplishment. How do you feel when you perform the last surgery? Accomplishment. How do you feel when you've taken care of that person at work who's an absolute fool? A sense of accomplishment and also relief. How do you feel after you finally finished the lesson plan? How do you feel after you've worked and worked and worked and for, for a whole month you've had a date night every week? A sense of accomplishment. How do you feel when you walk off the field or the court when you've just given it your all? A sense of accomplishment. How do you feel when you've created something or maybe you've bought a business and, and wow, this is my first check. A sense of accomplishment. It's, it's, it's God-given. It's God-given. God's a working God and we're made in his image and that sense of accomplishment is good. If we don't work, we're not going to have dignity. We're not going to have the self-respect like God wants us to have. It's, it's a God thing. Don't you love the genius of God? He created human labor, a place for us, a venue for us to showcase our talents and abilities and aptitudes. Thank God for it. Notice also, not only is work a gift from God, we have to get to know our CEO. Who's your CEO? Are you thinking about some, some, some guy in Manhattan somewhere? And no, no, or, or some, some lady that you see now and then. No, no, who's your CEO? You're, you're, you're thinking about, well, okay, you're talking about my boss, my manager, you're talking about my teacher, my coach. No, no, who's your CEO? Well, well uh, Colossians chapter three, verse 23 tells us, it says, whatever, and this word whatever is a very interesting word. It means whatever. Whatever you do. I don't care if you're building fences. It doesn't matter if you're sweeping floors. 
Doesn't matter, students, if you're taking out the trash. Doesn't matter if you're cleaning up your room. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter if you're doing squillion dollar real estate deals. It doesn't matter if you're making clothes. Whatever you do, do it. That's right, do work, man. Do work. Whatever you do, do it for Jesus, not for men. Here's an exercise. Do, do, do a mental Photoshop right now. Take the person you report to. And husbands, that would be our wives. And <laughs> that's, that was good. And I, I, I'm joking. Women make the world go round. They're amazing. But whoever you report to, just for a second, mentally Photoshop the face of Jesus and let the face of Jesus replace their face. That is who you're working for. Your mom and dad tell you, hey, here are your chores. Man, I can't believe dad. Mom, man, my friends don't have to do. But the face of Jesus, mentally, in place of their face. That manager, oh, she's unfair. Well, life is not fair. Where's fairness in the Bible? It's not going to be fair. Put the face of Jesus on that person's shoulders. Ultimately, you're not working for her or him. It's for Jesus. And that helps me. Because I have a tendency, just, this is just me, to be lazy in certain areas. It's just, and, and, and left to our own devices as human beings, we're going to always move toward comfort. I mean, the way of man is not north. It's south. I just want to relax. You know, one day I'm going to make enough money to retire. Oh, yeah. Aspen, maybe Telluride. Maybe somewhere in the Bahamas. And I'm just going to do absolutely nothing. That's my goal. To make enough money to just put it on autopilot. Cruise control. Retirement is not in the Bible. Did you know that? It's not there. I mean, I've tried to find it. I'm not saying that there aren't seasons in life. I'm not saying that there are certain seasons where you really have to bust it and you can, you know, disengage a little bit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, though, we're wired for work. We're wired for it. I was talking to my financial advisor recently. I could sell a couple of things and retire right now. I'm 57. I have enough money. So I enjoyed it. I'm tired of preaching. I'll see y'all later. Are you kidding me? I mean, I could. But I'm not going to do that. God has given me an opportunity for human labor. 
He's called me to be pastor of Fellowship Church. So when you see Ed Young, pastor, don't put a period, put a comma. I've invested in real estate and other investments and we've given generously to Fellowship Church. I've written 14 books and speak all over the place. I mean, do the math. I'm not in this thing for money or like, whoa, one day I can retire. No, sorry. You'll be stuck with me for a long time. So if that's your vibe, okay, great. Okay, let's say you retire from one job, that's fine, but do something else. You've got to have dignity. I was having a conversation this Tuesday with a friend of mine. And this, this guy's made a ton of money. I mean, I, I think he, in fact, I know he has. He has a lot of money. And I asked him, I said, why do you still work? He said, I've got to work. I said, well, what's a work day for someone like you? This guy's a multimillionaire, multi-multi. Well, he told me I, I get up early at the office. I go, what do you do at the office? He started telling me, I'm like, dang, that's impressive. He understands dignity. Then he started, started talking about younger people that, that he knows and some of his kids. And he's like, I want them to have dignity. I want them, I want young people to have a sense of accomplishment. And I said, do you mind if I talk about that in church? Silence. I go, no, no, I'm not gonna use your name, but do you mind if I say that? He goes, yeah, yeah I say it. Isn't that interesting? So work is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Number two, Jesus is our CEO. We're working for him. Whatever you're doing, you're working for him. Work is a gift from God. But as I told you earlier, and here's where we're gonna camp out for just a second, I have a tendency toward laziness, and so do you. Now, in a church like this, we have a high-octane church. I mean, we have type A personalities. We have very successful people, and that's great. I love that. And we all have kind of a weird view of work because of our fallenness. But I'm saying to you in its purest form, work is a gift from God. Are there boring times? Yes. Are there times that I want to go, man, I just don't want to show up, but I've got to show up. For what I do, I can't table it. I can't file a continuance. I can't say, you know what? I don't feel like speaking before thousands of thousands. I've got to do it. And there are things in your life as a homemaker that you can't put off. You have stresses I don't have. I have stresses you don't have. I don't care who you are. We've got to grind it out. Some of the time, in fact, I would say this. People ask me, okay, Fellowship Church, you've been at it for 28 years. It's one of the biggest churches in America, blah, 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 blah. What, what are some of the secrets? Well, one of my main secrets is this. I just basically show up. If you show up, if you show up, that's big. Just show up. And then God will take care of the rest. Because you're gonna go, whoa, man, this is a gift. I'm, 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 I'm working for Jesus, but do you have an education? I gotta ask you that. Do you really have an education? I'm not talking about college or PhD or earned doctorate or your GED. No, no, do you have, I mean, do you have a diploma from the University of Ant? No, I didn't misspeak. You should have a diploma, so should I, from the University of Ant. Because the Bible says, this is Solomon, and when Solomon's speaking, God is speaking. King Solomon's talking to his kids, 
and the king of kings is talking to his kids. Check out Proverbs chapter six, verses six through 11. And I gotta show you my Bible. I drew an ant. See that right there? You like that? You, can you see it? Get it closer. Closer, there. Uh, see it, get focus. There we go, right there. See, ah, it bit me, okay. See, I'm ADD, and if I get off track, I'm like, oh, no, I'm talking about the ant. See, I've already started chasing stuff. But you know, we have this mentality, don't we, in our world today? Kind of this millennial thing, this vibe, we think, oh yeah, I'll just do just enough to get by. It's kind of the millennial vibe, this socialistic thing. Let me tell you something. Socialism is not in scripture. Socialism is horrendous. I just got back from Cuba about a year and a half ago, and people talk about how sexy Cuba is, how cool it is. It's awful. The people are depressed, despondent. They have zero dignity. And I would love for a lot of the college professors to go down there and just see what I saw when I traveled throughout Cuba and spoke. We gotta take responsibility. And sadly, in our welfare system, most people who are on welfare should not be on welfare. The Bible says that if you can work, then work. But if you can work and you don't work, the Bible says you shouldn't even eat. I'm all for taking care of the poor. Our church does an amazing job taking care of the poor, and we should do that. If someone cannot help themselves and someone cannot work, we need to take care of them. But too many women have married the government, and it's more beneficial for them to be on welfare and marry the government and crank out a couple of kids as opposed to being married to someone else because that someone else is lazy. Are you taking responsibility for your life? Go to the ant. You taking responsibility for your stuff? Go to the ant. Proverbs 6, 6 and 11, I love this. Notice first of all the observation. Observe the creation. Observe the ant. And we have so many fire ants around. Man, those things are ubiquitous, are they not? Go to the ant, you sluggard. Ooh, talking about up in my grill. Sluggard, what is that, someone who's lazy? Have you ever seen a slug before? Check one out. I got this picture of a slug. They're ugly, man. And, and, and they don't even have a shell. And I, I, I researched them and they have this mucus trail behind them as they slither along, slimy, you know? If I'm not careful, I can slide and even surf on the slime into the seductive pull of the sluggard. <laughs> the sluggard. And, and, and so can you. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm on my own, I'll just kind of slide on the slime of the sluggard. Lazy, doing just enough to get by. I'll do that tomorrow. You know, it's no big deal. Whatever, doesn't matter how I look. Doesn't matter how my car is. You know, I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do. And you know, the boss isn't looking and well, Solomon says, go to the ant, ant university, observation. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. That's an education. 
So we've got observation and education. And now the initiation, the ant takes initiative. Are you taking initiative in your marriage? Hey, husbands, are you taking initiative with your kids? Moms, are you taking initiative? Hey, CEO, are you taking initiative? Hey, manager, are you taking initiative? Teacher, doctor, lawyer, taking initiative? Or do you sit back and go, I, I just, I'm just gonna slide on the slime of a sluggard. Observation, education, initiation. And this is so good, I gotta put off a lot of this stuff till next week. Next week, I, I, I really, I really it, there, there's some really cool stuff about, oh yeah, I just won't even say it, but I'm excited. I have to spend another 20 hours on it though. I just know generally what I'm gonna talk about, but I gotta spend 20 hours before I really can, can tell you about it. But anyway, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Don't you like that? Self-starters. You know, at Fellowship Church, we hire self-starters. If you're like, if you have to just sit around and we have to motivate you, have you ever seen, how many coaches do we have here? If you're a coach, lift your hand. I love coaches. Don't be shy. All right. Okay. Coaches can motivate. Here's, here's the coaches clap. Let's go! Come on, ladies! Come on, guys! Coaches clap. I mean, I'm a hard clapper. I, I can clap, man. That's how coaches work. So these ants are like, hey, chill on the coaches clap. I just take initiative myself. Do you take initiative in integrity at the office? Are you the first to speak the truth? Are you the first with the innovative idea? I mean, if they, if they could say, okay, who are the top 5% of producers? Would you be in that list? I mean, would you be in that conversation? You should be, so should I. Work, because when we realize we're working for God, our workspace can become a worship place. I don't care if you are, as we say in Texas, in the oil business. I like that business. You ever seen that? I like a lot of oil guys, when they talk, they don't open their mouths fully. Yeah, I'm in oil business, and uh, you know, guys don't really fully open their mouths for a lot, and they hang, yeah, yeah, I'm in oil business out there in West Texas. I don't know, I just have picked that up. Yeah, I'm worth about 13 billion, but uh, it's pretty good. Anyway, yeah, so, why did I say that? I don't know why I say some of the things I say, but, I think you feel me. You, we have to take initiative. I want the new idea. I want to try it. I want to face the impossible odds. Oh, we can't hire that person. The people aren't out there. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make the call. I mean, as, as, as a believer, I need to be that way. I'm going to change something in our church that's never been done before. Like these stickers. Have you ever noticed the stickers on the floor? It's genius. We were the first ones to ever do that. Stickers. Sheep, they're just stickers. But they reinforce, man, what are we talking about? Fool? We're all foolish in some way, shape, or fashion. I mean, do you think these colors just came out of nowhere? 
with our design team? Do you think this just happened? Name me another place that has branding like this. You can't think of one. Initiative! Are you initiating stuff in your life or just sitting back waiting? Oh, I'm just gonna wait for the coaches clap. Let's go! No. Initiate. Observation, education, invitation. Yet, check this Ann out, man, I'm telling you, Ann Academy, University of Ant. It stores its provisions, somebody help this ant, in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Oh, that's great. They're prepared, ants are prepared. When other people are going, well, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take just a couple of months off. I'm gonna take a sabbatical, man. That's what the sluggard's saying. I'm just gonna slide over here and do what I do. I'm just gonna just take a little break. The ant's like, what are you smoking, Jack? I'm working. Because when I work now, in about four or five months, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be blessed and I'm gonna receive all of this windfall. Are you grinding it out? I mean, are you working hard or hardly working? A lot of people work hard. They're just majoring on the superfluous and missing the significant. What does it mean for you to put the ball through the net in your job? As a mom, as a wife, as a husband, as a father, what does it mean for you to put the ball through the net in the oil business? What does it mean for you to put the ball through the net as you are cleaning teeth or performing surgeries? What does it mean for you to put the ball through the net as you're working on maybe a television, a cell phone? What, I mean, what, what does it mean when you're designing something for you to put the ball through the net? What does it mean? You're a musician, what does it mean for you to put the ball through the net? Concentrate on that, initiate there, that's why. As I said earlier, on Monday, tomorrow morning, I'll be up early. And, I, and I've got a holy hangover every single weekend. I'm emotionally fried, it's just, I'm not whining, it's just part of what I do. I'll put offensive energy into next weekend's message. Now, I've gotta to travel to New York and speak three straight times on Thursday, but guess what? That's not the most important thing I do, is it? I mean, that's great. Most important thing I do is what? Fellowship Church, weekend, here. Are you thinking about your job that way? You should be. It's awesome, we get to work. And when we mean business with God, he does business in our business. Observation, education, invitation, preparation. There's a guy, I don't wanna embarrass him, on our staff right now at Fellowship. This guy is a working machine. Now everybody at Fellowship has a great work ethic. We hire for intensity, not intellect. We hire for the heart, not for head knowledge. However, this guy is a smart worker, and I mean, he's an initiative taker. If we just mention an idea in a staff meeting, he's already on it. I mean, when, when we just mention it, amazing. And here's what I've seen. His kids are unbelievable workers. He takes his kids with him when he can. 
and they are working machines. Isn't that great? I will hire all of them one day. And there's one right here on the front row. I'm not going to point her out, but she knows who she is. Work. Ant Academy. Work. The University of Ant. I don't want to slide on the slime of a sluggard. But it's sexy just to relax, just to really work on not working, just to chill, to do enough to get by. My parents will take care of me. Oh, the government, they're there to take care of me, right? Isn't that right? Travel to Havana with me the next time I go. I would like to take every Professor Fuzzy Face at Harvard and Yale and all the other schools down there to Cuba, and they would go, oh my gosh, I'm changing everything I'm saying. It's just my personal opinion. Observation, education, don't you love this alliteration? Initiation, preparation, and procrastination. Last thing we're gonna talk about, last thing, procrastination. That's what a slugger does. He or she, they, they, they procrastinate. And man, Solomon, this is so brilliant. He goes, two questions. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Doing the same thing the same way, expecting unique results. Sorry, you're gonna fail. Number two, when will you get up from your sleep? I love this. A little sleep. See, a little, just a little bit. A little slumber, just a little, just a little bit. A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty, oh my gosh, will come on you like a thief. Scarcity like an armed man. If you've ever been mugged or robbed, I mean, you don't plan it, do you? You don't say, oh, watch this. I'm getting ready to be assaulted. <laughs> no. Happens out of nowhere. He's like, all right, man. That was a good meal. I like that. You're walking. Boom. <laughs> you know. He won't lie, everybody. You know. Out of nowhere. Here's the application. And poverty, I'm talking to the sluggard. That slow-moving, snail-like creature leaves a trail of mucus. And poverty, financial poverty. Relational poverty. Spiritual poverty. Emotional poverty will come on you like a thief. I thought about, how can we close today's session down? Because we're done. I'm five minutes and 46 seconds over time. That's okay. We're going to do an exercise right now. And this is going to be an exercise in images on our screens. And here's, here, here's all you have to do. I want you right now to yourself just to ask the Holy Spirit of God to prompt 
to affirm, maybe to get up in your face a little bit, because I don't think we have generalized sluggardness here. Generally speaking, we don't have a bunch of sluggards here. No, heck no, I can tell by looking at you guys. I'm talking about some of us, I'm talking to myself, because I've already done this exercise. We have selective sluggardness. Are you feeling me? Kind of, kind of latent areas of laziness. So the Holy Spirit's gonna point those out. And, and I just wanna whet your appetite now and we'll continue this next time. Let's look at the first image. Family. You know, half of our church at Fellowship, half of our church would be single parent families. About half. Isn't that amazing? And then so many, many, many come from divorce situations. Okay? And many have the nuclear family set up. Here's what I want to ask you. What's the Holy Spirit of God saying to you? I'm talking to wives right now about the priority of your marriage. How are you doing? Husbands, what's the Holy Spirit of God telling you about the priority of your marriage? It's the only relationship, the only one that's analogous to God's relationship with his people. Isn't that interesting? It's not parenting. It's not your cousin or your uncle. I'm reading a tragic book right now about Tiger Woods. He has one of the saddest families. His mom and dad, so sad, I've ever studied in my life. What a tragedy. Over and over and over, they said, as a kid, it's all about Tiger. Over and over and over, it's all about Tiger. Over and over and over, tiger, tiger, tiger. Their lives are in shambles. Look at Tiger Woods. He needs our prayers. This can happen, whether you have hundreds of millions like Tiger or whether you have nothing. What's God saying to you? Marriage is the most important thing. So goes your marriage, so goes everything else. How about your kids? Some of you are like, well, man, I'm... I'm making a lot of money out there in the marketplace and I'm, I'm like a scratch golfer. How about your kids? Are you impressing upon them the importance of work and dignity? Are you disciplining them with love yet with authority? Next slide. Work. I like that kind of, it's kind of universal, you know? How's your work? I'll say it again. Honesty, integrity, innovation, creativity, concentrating on the significant focus, trying new things, maybe stepping out and starting a new company. I don't know. How are you in that? I'm talking to students and kids. How are you in that? Next slide. How about health? Wow. Man, that's convicting. You know the Bible talks about that? The Bible says that our bodies are a temple, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. It says don't trash the temple. Are you eating a healthy amount of food? 
I mean, I understand. Lisa and I try to live by the 90-10 principle. 90% of the time, we eat pretty healthy. The other 10%, you know, we'll cheat on the diet. See, some people worship food. You have anorexia, bulimia, and even guys, man, worship their, oh, I got a six-pack, maybe an eight-pack. I'm ripped. And they're as whacked about that as the, as the supermodel is about her food. So, guys, we're, we're, we're in the same... Do, 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 do I look big, man? What do you think, man? Yeah. Isn't that funny? So I'm talking about a balance here. How about working out? Cardio, some strength training. This is the only body we have. Don't trash the temple. Next slide. And this is convicting, isn't it? Cash money. Money. Money matters to God. It does. Money matters to the poor, and I'm thankful what we're doing right now for the poor at Fellowship Church. We're doing stuff for the poor that we couldn't do if we had 100 people or 5,000 people. We have many more people, many more than that. We do huge things for the poor. Our money matters to continue to perpetuate and to push downfield the church. And Lisa and I have been a part of that. Many of you have been a part of that. Are you lazy with your stewardship? Maybe you're overspending. You see, man, my credit cards, I'm drowning in debt. Slothfulness. Another one, Jesus. Think about the work. God the Father is a worker. God the Son did the work on the cross for your sins and mine. And the Holy Spirit of God is working in all of our lives. Jesus didn't sit back on his celestial futon and say, you know what? <laughs> Mankind's in a mess. I'll just leave you in that chaos. What if he had done that? He had every right to do it because we sinned, but he took the initiative, did he not? Died on the cross for our sins, rose again. Diligence, intentionality. He offers up to you and me a personal relationship with him. Have you made that? Have you taken that step? You might be on the back row of the balcony. I can barely see you. You could be in one of our family rooms at our Miami campus. You could be on the front row at our North Point campus. You might be right there in the grammar school in Salina Prosper. You could be in downtown Dallas. Maybe you're in one of those cool theater seats in Keller or Southlake. Maybe you're at our Fort Worth campus across from Montgomery Plaza. Maybe you're at a Lasso Ranch overlooking the lake right now through the windows as you're, as you're listening and watching. Maybe you're online somewhere here. Maybe you're in Europe. I don't know where you are. Where are you? Have you made that decision to receive Christ. You can make it right now. And your work will never be the same. Listen to me. There's a work that only he could do. And there's a work that only you can do. Have you received the work of our wonderful Savior? Let's pray. As no one is moving at all or stirring, 
I'm gonna pray a prayer, and I want this to be your prayer. I want to include you in this prayer if you've never prayed it. You might be at the beginning of your spiritual run. You might be right there on the edge and the ledge. Maybe it's your time to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Just, just simply say, Jesus, I believe in the work that you did for me as you lived perfectly, as you died sacrificially, as you rose bodily, and right now, I receive your work. I receive your forgiveness. I give everything in my life to you. I turn, I repent from my sinfulness and my mistakes, and I believe, God, that you took them. I know you did. And right now, a beautiful transition is taking place. Your guilt for his grace. Your sins for the Savior of the world. Just say, Jesus, take control of my life. That's awesome you made that decision. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, would you, would you lift your hand? And way up in the balcony, around here, awesome. And I know in our different locations, it's great. Put those hands down. There are groups of us who have pockets of slothfulness and laziness and sluggardness. Holy Spirit, convict and move, as I know you have been doing. And give us the gift of faith because faith is a gift. The gift of saying yes to you, of realizing how much the marketplace matters. We ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ.